Red Eye. 2005. As a practice, Harry Bosch did his best to stay out of tunnels, but as he came out of Logan Airport, a tunnel was unavoidable. Either the Ted Williams or the Subner, take your pick. The rental car's GPS chose the Williams, so Harry drove down and deep under Boston Harbor. The traffic backed up at the bottom and then completely stopped as Bosch realized that the timing of his red-eye flight from L.A. had landed him in the heart of morning rush hour. Of course, the tunnel was much bigger and wider and was well-lit in comparison to the tunnels of his past and those of his dreams. He was also not alone in his predicament. The passage was wall-to-wall with cars and trucks, a river of steel under the river of water, only one of them flowing at the moment. But a tunnel is a tunnel, and soon the chest-tightening feeling of claustrophobia took hold. Bosch started to sweat and impatiently honked the horn of his rental in impotent protest. This apparently only served to identify him as an outsider. The locals didn't honk. They did not rail against that which they could not change. Eventually, traffic started moving, and he finally emerged, lowering his window to let in the fresh air. He made a mental note to find a map and then chart away back to the airport that did not include going through a tunnel. Too bad the car's GPS didn't have a no-tunnels setting. He would have to find his way back to the airport on his own. The LAPD's Open Unsolved Units Travel Protocol called for Bosch to check in with the local authorities immediately upon arrival in another city. In this case, that would be the District E-13 offices of the Boston Police Department in Jamaica Plain. This was the district that included the address Bosch had for Edward Paisley, the man whose DNA Bosch had come to take, surreptitiously or not. Bosch, however, often trampled on the official cold case protocol. He usually followed his own protocol, which involved getting the lay of the land first and maybe putting an eye on his quarry, then going in to meet and greet the local constabulary. Bosch planned to check out Paisley's address, maybe get a first look at him, and then check into the room at Courtyard by Marriott he had reserved on Expedia. He might even take a short nap after check-in to make up for the lost sleep on the flight out. In the early afternoon, he would go to District E-13 and tell the captain or major in charge that he was in from L.A. on a 15-year-old cold case murder. He would then most likely be paired with a division detective who had fallen from favor with command staff. Squiring around a visiting detective following a lead on a 1990 cold case was not a choice assignment. Two nights before, at a bar on Warren Street in Roxbury, Dontel Howe had asked Patrick Kenzie, You got kids? Patrick half nodded, a bit confused on how to answer. One on the way. When? Any day now. Dontel Howe smiled. He was a trim black man in his early thirties, with close-cropped dreads and clothes so crisp you could smell the starch from two rooms away. First? Patrick nodded. Ain't you a little old? Dantel took another dainty sip from the one brandy he allowed himself every weeknight. Weekends, he'd assured Patrick he could drink his weight in Henny, but weeknights and Sundays he kept his limit at one because every morning he drove a bus full of 45 children from their homes all over the city to Dearborn Middle School in Roxbury, about two blocks from the bar where he'd agreed to meet Patrick after work. A little old? Patrick checked himself in the bar mirror. A little grayer, okay, a little heavier, fine, a little less on top than he would have hoped, sure, but 
Not bad for forty. Particularly forty years lived as hard as he'd lived his. Either that or he was bullshitting himself, which was just as likely. You don't look like you'll be auditioning for any boy bands yourself, Dantel. But I already got two in grade school. Time they're in college and me and the woman are kicking it somewhere in Florida, I'll be your age. Patrick chuckled and drank some beer. Dantel Howe's voice grew deeper, more somber. So no one's looking for her? Still? Patrick made a metza-metza motion with his hand. Police think it's a custody thing. Father's a real piece of shit and no one can find him. No one can find her either, so they think it's a case of one plus one equals she'll turn up. But she's twelve, man. She was Chiffon Henderson, a seventh grader Dantel Howe picked up every morning from the Bromley Heath housing projects in Jamaica Plain and dropped off nine hours later in the same school.